Welcome to The Creator State, where we share stories of social innovation and entrepreneurship for movers, shakers, creators, and changemakers. Each episode will celebrate success and failure, ingenuity, and the endless pursuit of knowledge. From education to implementation, join us as we explore everything in between. The Creator State. Today's guest, Fatima Farheen Mirza, started writing her first novel in a classroom at UC Riverside. Following her passion to pursue writing full-time, she changed majors from pre-med to creative writing and went on to become a graduate of the Iowa Writers' Workshop. Fatima's debut novel, A Place for Us, was the first book to be released by Sarah Jessica Parker's new publishing imprint, SJP for Hogarth. It became an instant New York Times bestseller and was named one of the best books of 2018 by the Washington Post, NPR, and People magazine. We sat down with the author in the Middle Eastern Student Center at UCR for a conversation about how characters evolve and teach us to reflect upon our own lives. Join us as we explore identity amid powerful family dynamics and how freeing it can be to allow yourself and your art to become what they need to be. I'm your host, Kirby Hines. Welcome to The Creator State. I wanted to begin just, just broadly talking about your creative process and what is, if you have one, your creative process as a writer? Mm -hmm. I think for me the most important part of considering my creative process is just my approach to the characters that I'd be writing about. I always think about the questions that they're turning over in their mind while a moment is happening, while they're entering a scene. So the scene could be them at school or at home, but what really helps me is to always think, what question are they trying to figure out in a way through mm. this interaction? Yes. And that changes the way that they, that they move through the scene, the, the emotional notes it lands on. So that was always really helpful for me. I would write these questions down on post-its yeah. and put them all around my desk. And I'd also write you know, different kind of quotes or anything that I needed for that, for that day to be a reminder to me in post-its. And so that is something that I've, I still do now, like long after I finish the novel. Wow, and do you have, within that process, is there a, a time of the day or night that mm -hmm. you accentuate as your writing time? Mm -hmm. If I'm lucky, I get to start working right away. If I don't have any other obligations of like working or teaching or whatever my week looks like, the best time for me is when you wake up and that's the first thing that you do, like before you check your emails or check your phone. You just sit down with your paper and your post-its. Yes, yes. Know? That's, I do this, I used to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Now I don't have that, the ability to do it in the morning as much as I would like mm -hmm, to, but mm -hmm. um, I like that, that as well. I just love that time. Yes. And it's so quiet. And you haven't, you know, you're not trying to like undo something that you've done in the day, you know, right. like an interaction that you had that you're trying to put out of your mind before you begin working. You're just, yeah. yeah. You just Can you talk a little bit about what made you decide to write a place for us? Sure, it's kind of a long story and it's amazing to tell it here actually. So I moved to UCR because I was gonna study pre-med. Uh, I made a deal with my dad that if I could come here I'd study pre-med and I really hated my chemistry classes. I was so bad at them and one day I was taking creative writing classes as a way to you know honor what I really wanted to do or what I enjoyed doing and one day I was in class with Charmaine Craig um, in the INTS building, she gave a writing assignment, like a writing prompt, and it was the first time that I wrote down the name Hadia. 
which is one of the characters in the book. Yes. And it was also the first time that, you know, I had written my whole life, but it was the first time that I ever wrote a name down of, of a woman who could have been me or my sister or somebody from my community. I had always written names like Corey or, you know, like really culturally and racially ambiguous names. I'd never, I'd never come close to my own story, yeah. if that makes sense. But well, yeah. why do you think that was? I think for a lot of reasons. One is that I'd never read about a girl like me in a story, and so I thought, you know, maybe at some subconscious level I had absorbed this idea that, that those stories don't belong, that huh. no one would care maybe, or that other people had stories to tell but not somebody named Hadia, which of course I completely disagree with now, but who knows what, what had kept me, you know, I was, at some level you're, when you're creating, you're mimicking what you're seeing in a way, wow. right? You're, yes. you're, so if I'm reading, uh, if I'm being assigned um, works in high school, or if I'm, you know, my librarian is passing me works and it's like never, it's never diverse or reflective of my experience, then of course I'm gonna think, well that's what novels are at some level, right? Yeah. And I think that the, another part of it was that I was really afraid when I first wrote down her name because I didn't want to, to write her story or the family story eventually and do it badly and do you know injustice to their lives in a way I felt like I had been so frustrated as a kid growing up and seeing how reductive and stereotypical the portrayals of Muslim characters are or South Asian characters and how it's like so far from my own experience that I just didn't want to I just didn't want to contribute to something that had really angered me growing yeah. up you know and so I, I, I hadn't tried until that, that day in that classroom. Okay, so you're in Professor Craig's class and you've had this moment of someone of an epiphany, uh, but you're a pre-med major. So take me down the, mm -hmm. the, the continuation of this, yeah. this, this journey. So I didn't want to, you know, I was hesitating for all the reasons that I described. And at the same time, every week, Professor Craig, she was assigning different writing prompts. And for some reason, I decided I was going to return to the same family through different perspectives. Mm. And I realized, like, no matter what the prompt was about, I kept returning to that same family through different moments in their, in their life. But they were all kind of focusing on the same moment, which is the moment that the novel begins with. It's uh, the wedding of the eldest daughter, right. and the youngest son, Amar, has just come home, and you realize he's been, he's, he ran away three years before. So I'm realizing that I'm writing about the same family, and they're all thinking about the same moment in a way. And the more I'm writing about them, the more I feel like this overwhelming kind of duty towards them, and also love for them, and curiosity, and and I remember I submitted from the novel to workshop. And it was in that workshop actually that somebody, I think one of my classmates, I don't remember who, said something like, have you considered making this a novel? Because yeah. I had squeezed it into 12 pages <laughs> and I hadn't considered it. You know, I, I, I don't know what I said at that moment, but I, that was the first time somebody posed that question. And also Charmaine was so, um, kind and nurturing and attentive to kind of, you know, on one hand like this this desire I had to write this and also an awareness of what were the factors that were keeping me away from committing to doing so in a way. And so she went out of her way and asked me to meet her in office hours. And I remember I was so nervous because I, I looked up to her so much and I was like, I loved her class. It was like my, 
I remember I would leave that class and I would look out and that because it's the fourth floor of the INTS yes. and you know the grass out there is so long uh -huh. sometimes and I remember I would look out and I would the other classes I was taking was like chemistry and bio and I would leave them feeling horrible and so sad and and like I was so bad at it and I would leave those classes the creative writing classes and just feel like this is where I belong or like this is where I'm meant to be this is where my mind is most excited you know like when the teacher says something and I just yes. like that kind of feeling yes. right and so I remember I was so nervous to go into her office hours and she says to me let's discuss your future in fiction writing and I said to her what are you talking about <laughs> you know like this is my this is my personal class for me like I and also it was the first time that somebody had had invited me to have a conversation about my future I mean I feel like my family life up until that point my parents you know they at the time, they had all these like ideas for what I would do with my life, all these expectations, which is why I was pursuing pre-med. Yes. And so the conversation was more like, well, this is what you're going to do. And I would say, okay, let me, let me try to do it, you know, in a way. Um, and so that was the first time somebody said, you know, let's discuss. And I, and I like, kind of started crying and, yeah. Crying in the office, I think there's, there's a story there. I think it's, it's that moment of... of conflict of what you believe you are supposed to do and what yes, you really you know you do. you mentioned duty and love as just earlier as being part of um the foundation for your writing or, or mm. some, some of the things that mm -hmm. when you sit down to write yeah. are preeminent in your process yeah maybe that's because i felt like i had this obligation and duty to the promises that i had made to my family in a way huh. and who they thought i would become and so to feel that i could actually just transfer that to this fictional world wow. was maybe what gave me permission you know because i felt like because it did feel like actually my obligation is not to my promise that I made with my dad. It's like to completing this story. And so maybe that's just what I was telling myself <laughs> to kind of yes. help me do this. So I'm, I'm diverting a little bit, but, but then at some point you had to say to your family, yeah. hey, uh, guess what? The bio class? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was immediately after that conversation with oh, Charmaine. Wow. All it took was for her to say that she believed that if I really wanted to put my heart and mind to it, I could do this. And my reaction in that moment was like, that's the only thing I want to do. Like, I actually don't want to be doing chemistry and bio. And that conversation made it so clear to me. And I'm so, I'm like always so grateful for it, you know? Wow. So, so yeah. you leave that meeting. And, and I call my dad. And yeah. you say. And I say, Baba, I'm switching majors. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to pursue a major in creative writing. So how did you go from that meeting to going, hey, wait a minute, I'm right. going to write a novel. Right. Well, I... I made three promises to myself, um, and it helped me um, ease those doubts that I was talking about earlier, which yeah. is that what if I inadequately portray them? What if I do wrong? What if I bring more harm to a community that I've just been so upset in a way, seeing harmed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yes. through really reductive and offensive depictions, yes. or like a lack of any kind of other alternative narrative, you know? The promise that I made in, in a way to myself was like one, that my goal was to do justice to the characters' lives, which meant not only writing in the perspective that is most um, close to me, which is Hadia or Omar, you know, the children yes. of this family, um, because they, they grew up here, they were born here, they're, you know, navigating kind of very similar concerns and questions that I was as a, as a teenager growing up in California in, in this family. 
but I also wanted to include the perspectives of the parents, Layla and Rafiq, and as a way to like kind of give a full picture of what it was like for this family and what was at stake for each of them so that you can kind of understand where everybody's coming from. Yeah, so that was my first decision. So let me ask you about that because as a playwright, I believe I probably have avoided characters who could be based on or could be identified as family members. How did you navigate that concern or, yeah. or was it a concern? Yeah, it was a concern. Um, so the way that I started thinking about it is that I am going to create a completely fictional family, okay. but in a context that is so personal and, and close to me in terms of the parents have immigrated from India to, to California. Their friends are their community members from the mosque. Um, they're, they're trying to raise their children to uphold you know, Islamic traditions and values as well as Indian culture, to speak in Urdu in the home, you know, in English outside. And, and so I placed them in a context that was very familiar to me. Yeah. But the characters, you know, even if in the beginning maybe I had a similarity with Lamar or Hadia, once they begin making decisions, uh -huh. They they become their own people in a way, yes. and the plot also becomes a reflection of them as characters, right? So what happened to me is not what happens in the novel because they begin making these decisions, and uh, my job is just to follow them. Yes. But the the amazing thing is like when I was talking earlier about the questions that they are asking, you know, those questions that they're asking in these moments are ones that are personal to me even though the, the situations are different right. and the personality of them is very different. I'm not, I'm not like any of them, you know, in a way. This is one of those answers to a question that I didn't ask, but um, oftentimes when I have students who are working on things, be it play, screenplay, mm -hmm. uh, or something else that's very personal, and I will ask, well, why did this happen? You know, why does this happen? And I tell them that this is always the wrong answer. Uh, because that's the way it happened in real life. Yeah, it's and, and what yeah. I mean by that is exactly what you just mm -hmm. said, is that the care, if you are building a character, you're creating mm -hmm. characters, you have to pay attention to them and not just force them. Try to them. recreate something. Yes. Yeah. So w when did you discover that? When, what was, how I did? Don't, I don't know, but I love okay. that you said that. It's something that I think about a lot now that I'm looking over the novel in a yes. way, or like trying to see the parts that were dimly me, but now are their yes. own thing. It's kind of exciting and, and crazy to think about. Um, I don't know how to answer it. Like there's, on one hand it's true, you know, when I'd fight with my dad, I'd go and lie down in our driveway. Mm -hmm. And so the character Hadia, after a fight with her dad, she goes and lies down in her driveway, yeah. you know. But when I did it, I didn't understand any of the forces that, that led me there. Or, you know, all I knew is that this happened to me, and that's it. It happens once and it's yeah. over. But when you put it in the context of a novel, you can kind of understand, you know, you can see, you can see that moment not only from Hadia's perspective, but also from the father's, but also over time, you know. Also, you're on the page with these characters again, you know, decades into the future, the father is sitting with his daughter on the driveway. Wow. And, and, you know, in your own life, you don't have access to these things, right? I don't have access to, like, that kind of self-awareness. Like, if I'm interacting with my dad maybe decades later in the same driveway, th to that mem memory, right? right? Or, or to what it meant. But in fiction, that, it's what the, like, what you're after is not, like, what happened, but what it meant in yes. a way. Yes, yes. You know? A 
Yeah, I and, don't know. And, and, and it's so great because, once again, as, as, as a writer, I, I will often say there are no coincidences in your stories. None, yeah. Not for you as the author. Yeah. For the audience, for the reader. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, that happened and then that happened. Yeah. But, but for you as, you know, as the author, there's something that you're trying to say with every single yes. thing that happens in the story. Mm -hmm. And so these moments, you know, the driveway, if, if it wasn't and if it wasn't doing that thing you wanted mm -hmm. it to do, mm -hmm. it has to go. The, the answer can't be that's, that's the way it happened. Yeah, and yeah. so that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great thing to discover, I believe, as a, as a writer. So you mentioned that you had made three promises when you embarked on, on, on this shift in your existence, this change <laughs> in your educational I like process. Of it, like that. It, it has to be. Yeah. Um, so what were the other two promises that you had made? The second, the second one was that I, you know, at the time I was 18, I wasn't a writer. Um, and so I just thought to myself, like, if I really want to do this story, then I want to make myself like the best writer that I can possibly be in order to do right by them. Um, and so that's why, that is why I really switched to creative writing because I wanted to make sure that all of my classes were in service of that goal and that my, you know, and I was so fortunate, I worked with so many amazing professors, one being Andrew Weiner, he would like assign me different books and we would have conversations after I read them. And the, what I realized now is those conversations were helping me to see, like how to see, how to read as mm. a writer, you know? and like through th through these kind of classes, through sharing workshop stories, through reading these books with professors and having them help you see like how does a writer, you know, read and think and all of that, I, I started becoming that writer, I think. Um, and then I applied to Iowa. I applied to different grad schools because uh -huh. I didn't want to stop. I wanted to like, I just wanted to make sure that I, you know, did my best. Um, and so the third promise was that I'd give myself um, up to 10 years to do it because I didn't want to rush it. Yes. I didn't want to just do like a first draft and then be so excited that it's done that I'm, I rush it. And so I told myself, if I give myself this much time with these two goals in mind, then hopefully I'll, I'll get to a place that I feel proud of. Th these promises are, are, are very interesting because at least the last two mm. really speak to something that I think oftentimes as, as artists, we don't necessarily give ourselves the permission to do. So if you had pursued becoming a doctor or, or a medical field, you would have put in the time right. to become that thing. Right. You sat in the office, you, you knew this is what you wanted to do, and then you get a call from Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> no. <laughs> and she says, no. listen, we want to do... Eight so, years so, later. Okay, so... <laughs> So, so tell us a little bit about about that time, that time and what it what it meant and you know what yeah. what that was like. That time was you know spent like writing, rewriting, drafting, going to workshop, fi figuring out how to deepen the consciousness of the characters, realizing that I, you know printing out all the different sections on the floor yes. and rearranging them to figure out what yes. the effect would be, you know? Like, if I do this and this impact is different, and then, yes. I don't know, figuring out everything that's redundant and cutting it, deciding I'm gonna just start at page one all over again, you know? Because my prose style from when I was a student at UCR was so different than what I was writing at 25, you know? Wow. And if I kept, at some point I realized I have to stop because I, I'm continuing to grow, and uh -huh. so that I'll, it'll, I'll just, I don't know, at some point I have to just say, like, I've done the best I can for this time. Yes. And then I can begin again, you know, years from now. 
But up until that point, you know, it was like a lot of writing and rewriting and and, and this out. is you know, and, and I kind of did that jump in in a way. But this is such an important part of understanding this this type of a process and knowing that it doesn't go from I have this great idea to you know the phone call. So what was that moment like, or what was it like to get that, that affirmation, that call? Yeah, it was huge. Um, I remember I had just stepped out of the subway. I knew that Sarah Jessica had liked the book, but we hadn't spoken. You know, when you're working on something for so long in the dark, you don't know if it'll connect with anybody. And mm -hmm. you, and also you don't know, I don't know, you just develop this relationship to it that you, that the publishing side of things is so different than the creating side of things. Yes. And so it was like kind of a scary juncture and I, more than anything, I wanted it to be in the hands of somebody who understood what I had been trying to do. And so it was, the, it was like kind of a miracle of a call, like not only because she's Sarah Jessica Parker and that I you know, didn't think that this path would be possible for me at all in a way for so long, but also because of the way that she was speaking to about it. The way that she really talked about the characters and the story as though she had like spent so much time living inside of it. And I'd, you wow. know, the, the book has touches upon all these different themes and one that's very, um, dear to me is like the spiritual heartbeat of it you know like what happens to this family when one child decides that he cannot practice the way that the rest of the family can yeah. and the pain of that which is some you know it's not kind of it doesn't make for like the most dramatic <laughs> of stories <laughs> right. Right? Um, right and yet it was the, one of the mo most tender parts of it for me and that was what we spent our time talking about like those scenes in a way and I just kept thinking, like, no matter what, like, you would have been the ideal reader that I would have imagined for this, wow. you know? And then after that, I decided, yes, like, I totally trust you. I trust your vision. I trust how you read. And I greatly admire, you know, going back to what you were saying about never seeing these kind of stories told that she chose to launch with this book. I really admired that decision and, like, what that meant for Fatima, 14 years old, who, like, never saw a novel that, you know, was reflective of my experience. Yes, and at some point you contacted your family and said, hey, yeah. <laughs> speaking of yeah. chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, oh, way back you mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, my parents, they're so, that's, they, at first they were so upset as anyone would be when you turn away, you turn against this kind of an agreement, right? Mm -hmm. But what I've, what I've been so fortunate, you know, with my, my parents in particular and my brothers, to find is that like no matter what I say like this is what I'm gonna do and this is where I am you know like at first they might be frustrated or afraid because sometimes those the thing that I'm saying is like you know in this case it was about my education yes in other cases it is about how I practice or not don't practice the faith that's very important to them mm -hmm. or how I uphold certain traditions that are the only were for them just a way of moving through the world you know but in those moments in those instances you know after that, the initial, <laughs> yes. after the initial whatever it's going to be, right? Um, I've just been so fortunate that they, they try their best to like understand my experience and my motivations and accept them. And, and it just kind of, on one hand, it just allowed me to like keep going with it, you <laughs> know? Course. And now, but now what it's allowed is that we have like an honest understanding of each other and, and the kind of lives that we want to live, if that makes sense. And I've Absolutely. just been so lucky. What have you learned about you know, if, if you want to call it success or, or even about this process of getting from that moment to where you are now. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been kind of surprised to realize about 
what feels successful to me is that it, it is never what you think it will be, huh. you know? Yeah, I, I don't know how to articulate that other than to say, like, when I look back on the this publishing side of things, mm -hmm. that felt like the most success to me, you know, was that my grandmother read it, you know, even though English is not her first language, wow. even though she I've never seen her read a novel, mm -hmm. that she, like, sat down and read it and that she, like, was so excited that there were phrases from Urdu in it and that there were different traditions that, you know, even though growing up she'd like fight me on, you know, like why can't you do this or that and, and but then that she saw it honored in the book in a way, even if I'm, you know what I mean, like that to me or like the way that, the way that my parents reacted or the way that um, Sarah Jessica like read the book and understood the book and like and talks about it in the world, it's like, it's, it's never what you think it's going to be, yeah. you know, like in a way, I was so excited that like, I'm like, wow, the cover is so shiny, you know, things like that. And then at the same time, it's that like my, yeah, that my brother, when he like, the first day that the book came out, he went into the bookstore and like took the books and like made them face the windows and like took a picture of, for me outside of it where I could see. I don't know, it's always those things, yeah. I think. And, and I also think that um, at least this is one thing that I'm, t I don't know what it will be like going forward. I haven't started writing again, but there's a part of me that, that thinks that, in a way, you have to separate it from the creative process again, if that makes wow. sense. Yes. And so who knows what that will be like, but I, I do feel like I want to, one thing that I loved about writing this novel is that I felt like I had something to prove to myself yeah. and to the characters and then therefore like to the world, I guess. But I want to, I want to remind myself that like each, each, novel, each story, each whatever is its own thing. And so you have to to like maintain that feeling, if, if that makes sense. Yes. And not just be like, well, because I was successful in this way, in this definition of it means that this, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Now, let's get into the creator's state of mind. In each episode, we ask our guests to share what's been on their minds something they can't stop thinking about, a new challenge they're facing, or what's inspired them into action recently. We call it the creator state of mind. Today is a complete trip because this is my first time back on campus. Yeah. And yesterday was also wonderful because I spent time with my the first friend that I ever made at UC Riverside. And wow. so, um, yeah, and so it was, it's like this return to this time, you know, a friendship that I formed when I was 18 or a place that I moved to, you know, when I didn't. So that is inspiring in a way to see wow. like how your life like layers on itself, yes. you know, and then also how something remains consistent but something changes, you know, even in that friendship or yeah. in these interactions or in the going to the coffee bean, you know, just wow. this feeling like th this was such like a crucial time in my life where I was figuring out for the first time like, who am I and who am I going to be? And, you know, who are these friends that I'm making? And what will it be like 10 years from now? You know, and then to, to feel like, yeah, that there's, that, yeah, your life is like, I don't yeah. know if I'm, I'm not articulating it well, properly because it's kind of a difficult feeling to absolutely. inhabit. Well, and if you can articulate it, somebody once said, you know, you make it much smaller than it actually exactly. is. So you turn it into these yeah, little Yeah, like little blips. sound bites. Yes. But it just feels totally bizarre to be like, I was there and... That was my friend skateboarding, and this is where wow. I got coffee every day before going to class. <laughs> and 
And or even like seeing that, seeing INTS as I walked over here and just being like, that is where I sat down and wrote this first paragraph. Like yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. No, and that's, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm here on campus all the time and I started writing here at UCR as well as a mm -hmm. playwright. And I was sneaking in the classrooms to rehearse and doing th shows at, you know, Watkins 1000 mm -hmm. where I wasn't supposed to necessarily be there. So I, I get that feeling of, you know, renewal or reflection okay. si simultaneously. It is always a valuable learning opportunity to take time to reflect. At the end of each interview, we like to ask our guests this. In hindsight, what is something you wish you would have known when you were starting out? I just wish I could go back to myself and tell her, like, it's going to be okay, you know? Like, it feels so scary at every juncture, you know? Like, before you decide that you're going to commit to writing the novel, before you call your dad and say that, before I went through so many different changes from during while I was a student here, and all of them were so frightening. They felt like, you know, I could possibly isolate myself from the place I've come from and the wow. people that I love, or I could write this novel. And I kept like choosing the novel in a way, but I was so, it was so constantly painful and like frightening, you know, and I wish I could just be like, it's going to be okay, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be okay. But at the same time, I think that was necessary because I think it helped me realize like how deeply committed I was to this thing. And also once I had committed to that, once I like found myself in Iowa and I had made all these changes, there was no going back, you know, you just had to do it yeah. and you had to get it done. <laughs> and so I think it's, yeah. Wow. Well, I want to thank you. This has been a really great time getting to know you and talking thank to you. Thank you. I feel the same. Absolutely. Yeah, and, I want and to continue this conversation. I know. We, we, but um, really, thank you. And, and I am so proud of you. I mean, there seem to be some parallels that we can't get into. But um, really, so I, I had that same kind of thing happen on this mm -hmm, campus. Mm -hmm. So it's so cool. Yeah. On the next episode of The Creator State, we're talking rock and roll and gospel with UCR graduate Waka Anwusa. Join us as we discuss her career path to curating music history at the Grammy Museum and her new role at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thanks for listening. Find more information about our guests at creatorstate.com. Do you know someone creating something great? Send us what you're creating for a chance to be featured in an upcoming episode. Write to us at creatorstate at ucr.edu. There's a team creating this podcast. Help us by subscribing on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen. And while you are there, leave us a review. Our producer for this show is Jennifer Merritt, with audio and editing by Chan Moon and Kevin Williams. Digital strategy by Kelly McGrail and Madeline Adamo. Designed by Chrissy Danforth, Denise Wolf, Brad Rowe, and creative director Luis Sands. Special thanks to Christy Zwicky and Jessica Weber. This show is brought to you by the University of California, Riverside. I'm your host, Rekurby Hines. Thanks for joining us in the Creator State.